we're up to Perakei, first Chelek, first part, Perakei, fifth chapter, okay? <clears throat> and there's a very interesting chapter that the Ramchal is going to speak about. I had begun a little of it, but it, it, it ha you know, it's so far in the past, so I just want to recap, as they say, you know. That the Ramchal, what he's going to do in this chapter, which is really very important, he's going to talk about the components of the creation. What did God create? What are the components, you see? And what, what's their role or their function? And that's a very important idea because it's not a matter of what God created. Why are they here? You see, what is their, like I said, what's their function? How do they contribute to creation? It's a very important part of the plan. And this is what the Ramchal is now going to talk about uh, in terms of the Hashkafah, the Derech Hashem. So until now, basically what he's been talking about, what is the plan? And now he's going to talk about, okay, what are the, who are the players, so to speak, in this plan? And how do they contribute to each part? So he divides the entire creation into two major sectors. One area, or one type of being, or rather, um, he divides it uh, into uh, two different major dimensions. One is called the physical reality, right? And the other is the spiritual reality. Remember I told you, there are three realities. One is physical, second one is spiritual, and the third reality is God. The Rabbana Shalom, God is not physical, obviously. He's certainly not, he's not even spiritual, you see. The nature of God is unknown, because it's neither. Because you have to remember what that means. The reason why it's neither, ultimately, is because both the physical and spiritual realities are created, right? So he precedes creation. So if the physical and spiritual are created, then what is he? What's his nature? And the answer to that is it's unknown. Because in the end, if I asked you, does anything coexist with God? Which means he didn't have to create it. And the answer is nothing. Nothing coexists with him, you see. Everything had to be created. Whether it be objects, things. Whether it be ideas, concepts. You see? And even the, I mentioned even the concept of existence is a created concept. <clears throat> so the Rabbanishim is not spiritual, as I said, because no, nothing coexists with him if we had to bring everything into creation, including, except what he obviously did is he created two types of universes or dimensions. And you should know that each one is very different from each other. Very different, so on, you know? Obviously, so one of them is the physical, which obviously we are very familiar with, and the, one, the other one is spiritual. But as I said, he is neither, which is a very important concept. And many people uh, confuse that. They think that God is part of the spiritual universe, which he's not. Anyway, <clears throat> and the Ramchal defines the concept of physicality. Anything that is can be uh, appreciated or picked up by the senses is physical. That's the definition. And I had once, I think I once mentioned quite a while ago, that uh, the concept of physicality is not just objects or bodies or whatever, but it's even the dimension called the, um, <clears throat> uh, for instance, uh, electromagnetic radiation, radio waves. It's also physical, you know. Um, and some, because obviously it can be picked up by uh, receivers 
transmitted and so on, you know. So anything which is, can be seen, heard, uh, felt, touched, smelled, whatever, is physical. <coughs> the ruchnium, spiritual beings, obviously cannot be in any way detected. It is impossible to detect. The only way uh, to detect them is if they assume a physical garb, which it never becomes part of them. It's like somebody puts on a costume, it's not the person. Same idea. If a malach decides, which is really what happens many times, he decides that he wants to appear to a person, so then he will appear having assumed some type of a physical garb. But they are obviously clearly not physical. <clears throat> In any case, uh, so that's the two basic uh, divisions of the entire reality, you know. <coughs> Now the Ramchal says that uh, the physical reality is divided into two things. One is the obviously the physical world, uh, and the second thing he t talks about is the celestial physical world, which are the stars, and and so on, the planetary bodies, the stars. These are also part of the physical world. Now later on, you should know the Ramchal. There's a whole concept called astrology, and astrology clearly Im imputes to these f uh, stars and planets uh, specific forces that they govern the world. This is the whole concept of astrology. Now astrology, according to the Torah, is a true science. It's not known today, but it was known, for instance, to the Egyptians. There is a true chokhmah to astrology. And Ramchal talks about that later on, <coughs> and so on, <coughs> you know. But... Um, uh, and the basic understanding of, uh, of astrology, remember astrology is not astronomy. Astronomy is the study of the heavenly bodies, right? But the, uh, in terms of who they are and what they are and so on. But astrology is a study of the influence that heavenly bodies have on the, on the world. And the, the truth is that they don't have any influence in that sense. But what is interesting is that they reflect decrees in heaven by the emotions when they appear and how and so on uh, it's almost like they're the indicators of what is happening in the spiritual domain so even though they are physical obviously stars physical and so on <clears throat> but what the Bansham did is that he allowed people to to read so to speak what are the xeris the decrees that are happening in heaven so they influence or are they just indicators they're indicators, <clears throat> which is really fascinating. You know, so the basis of astrology is a real chokhmah. But not that the stars will influence you. Of course not, right? But their patterns, their motions, you know, it's when you're born on the witch star and so on, means that at that point in time, there are always decrees in heaven, gezeris, going on, you see? And therefore, what the Bansham did is, is he allowed us to be able to read that. You see, that's why when uh, all of a sudden when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, they said there's somebody that's born that's going to, uh, you know, destroy Egypt. Obviously, the decree happened at that moment, and it was revealed in some type of a pattern in the stars. You see, it's not, of course, astrology is not recognized by science. Why? Because most of the time, they, they're either wrong or whatever. But you know, if you read the papers and take a look at these, you know, there's whole columns on astrology. You know, it's interesting, sometimes they're pretty accurate. Are you supposed to believe in that? Which? The paper astrology. 
No, because they, 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 because they have an incredible amount of distortions. But the real astrology, and the reason why astronomy obviously doesn't recognize astrology, you know, very simply, is because besides the fact there's no proof in that way, you can't subject it to a real experiment, you see, but because according to the, according to the Torah, astrology is nothing more than an indicator of what the Gezeres are in Shemayim, in the spiritual world, you see? Now, they don't recognize the spiritual world, so what are they going to recognize the indicators? You see what I'm saying? So obviously they don't recognize anything, you know? You have to recognize, you have to believe in the spiritual domain that actually issues decrees against the world and so on. So you don't recognize that, you don't recognize the, you know, the, uh, the signs of those decrees and so on, you know? But, um, uh, so the Ramchal refers to that, he calls them heavenly causes. So it's not that they cause, that's the mistake. You know, if you're born when Mars was, is in, a, in ascension, and the, which house was it in, or whatever stuff goes on in astrology, you know, that simply means that there are standard decrees that happen, you see, and you were born in that type of decree, and uh, therefore that, that can have an influence, not because of the pattern of the stars, or the planets or whatever, but because of the decree in heaven at that point in time. Anyway, so he counts that as part of the physical universe. <clears throat> yeah. Then, of course, and then, of course, you have the physical earth and so on, you know. Now, so besides that, you have the spiritual universe, and the definition of a spiritual universe is that it's impossible to detect any, in, in any which way uh, that type of... Uh, uh, inhabitants of that universe and so on and that's what makes it spiritual you know I mean someday we'll all know what that is we will we will all know um, but there's something even more fascinating because we are spiritual which is and he's gonna bring down exactly and so on you know anyway <clears throat> then he says okay so we have the physical universe we understand that there are two fundamental components, right? The physical universe and the heavenly bodies, right? Then he says, now we're going to the spiritual universe. The spiritual universe, right, is composed of two fundamental entities. One is called the neshama, the soul, right? And the other is called, uh, they call the nivdolim, or those that are transcendent of the physical. What's the difference? Okay, so a soul, what, uh, although he's not defining what a neshama is, that's really unknown, okay, but a neshama is a being that ultimately will inhabit a physical body. That's what a neshama is. And there's only a certain amount of neshamas that were created. You know, it's not like there's no infinite amount of neshamas. There's only a certain amount that were created. Okay, and like it says, and the Gemara says that the Mashiach will only come after all the Neshamah guf. It's called the guf. It's like, right, are, are brought down, you know? Who's guf? The guf of Adam Rishon. That's really what it means. Adam Rishon had a, a guf and he had a Neshamah, and his Neshamah was really a composite of every Neshamah that was ever created, you see. And therefore, when, but after the sin of Adam Rishon, it split. The, uh, ten, hundreds of thousands of different splits and so on. So when all the neshamas that were originally in this one man will have been born, that's the end of time. Didn't they always say that, that there's no more neshamas, they're all 
I'm not referring to that. That's a different concept. What that concept is, is the reincarnation of neshamas. You know, but the totality of all neshamas, whether they're reincarnated or first-time appearance, right, it was in the Guf of Adam. Today? No. I mean, you know... Uh, 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 so that's what I'm saying. We're all, we're all called recycled. Right, so there's no more new neshamas. No, not really. Uh, no, well, you don't mean that. You mean there are no new neshamas, which means there are no first appearances. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Really not, you know. It's, uh, I mean, maybe uh, there were tzaddikim probably who were maybe first neshamas, but that's probably ended a long time ago. Today, everybody's recycled, <coughs> basically trying to repair what they did wrong and all the other Gugulim before that, you know. Is there a number known of how many elements form that composite? If the what? Of how many, is there a number known how many uh, elements form that comp composite? Of, of what am I elements? How many Nishomas make up his, uh, the you said his was a composite, yeah. all the ones today. Is there a number of how many no. that you compare to the whole population? No, there are no. There are no. You know, there, are, uh, there is no known number, you know. Uh, what's important is that there was a finite number created, and that's it. it. means if you're in there, you're in. If you were not created, you're out. It's not going to be like more stuff. Monisham is going to come back, you know. Now, we don't know why the Monisham did that. What determined the amount? It's unknown. Uh, you know, obviously since we're all here, <coughs> we're all in. Or else, who are you people anyway? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, where'd you guys come from? If you didn't come from that number, the original... What? It's not when you come back, who were you in the first place before you even came down here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. So, you know, in that sense, you know. Um, but uh, there's a finite number, and uh, these people have the task, so uh, mo uh, like today, most people are, are old neshamas, recycled, uh, attempting to complete the job that they didn't complete, whatever, so, you know? But it's a, it's a lot of complexity, you know? Some neshamas come back into a, they have to live again, some neshamas come back and piggyback with you, you know? There can be two neshamas in one body, and one, per and one neshama came to help the resident neshama, so to speak, uh, do its job. It's all kinds of, it's, a, it's really a complex operation, how everything works, you know. So there could be, uh, talk about uh, multiple personalities, you know. You know, you know, yeah. <laughs> what? Three wheel, heroes. Who? How do we be, explain the hero then? No, no, the, 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 the one who's the resident Nishama, primary, he has the Bechira. But what the other Nishama can do is give him certain f uh, feelings. You know, all of a sudden he feels spiritual. You know what I'm saying? Uh, anyways, it gives him additional uh, emotions, so to speak, or maybe insights. But the, one, yeah, but the one who makes the decision is called the primary. You know? Anyway. What, is, what about Nitotos? Yes, so, uh, the, uh, yeah. Because uh, neshamas are really different. There's what's called uh, neshamas. Neshamas, I wouldn't use the word size, but maybe that's the best way to describe it, you know. They're different s sort of like sizes, you know. They, there's what's called a neshama. Uh, was a neshama, but he was humongous. I mean, he had everybody, you know. And then from him, there's splits, you know. And then from that, there's nitsoitis, sparks. 
question which, is, donut substances were already created from the beginning of time, or were well, they no, created afterwards? No, same thing. Well, well the, 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 when he sinned, that's when everything split. Before that, there was only one neshama. No, but they say he's a nitzos of, of Yosef Atzadik or whatever. It that's is. later on. But was that, that nitzos, was that created afterwards, or was that created after Adam Rishon? No, it's all part of Adam Rishon. So my question is, that nitzos of, let's say, I'm guessing, Yosef Atzadik, just to throw something out of my head. Well, Yosef Atzadik is, so is somewhere is, in the neshama of Adam. Okay, but that nitzos that what? came from Yosef. Yeah, no, that comes from Yosef. Okay, so was that neshama in existence before from from Adam Rishon? That that that, that well, it was, but it wasn't individuated. That's what you're probably looking for. It wasn't individual. It was part and parcel of another neshama, and then when it came out so as a really spark, it became individuated. So first, certain sense there are neshamas created after. Well, in that yes, but they, it all has to come from that stock, Adam Rishon. In other words, it's not new coming outside, you know. So theoretically, you can have more, you can have consciousnesses, more consciousnesses. Because in the beginning, there was only Adam. He was the only consciousness on the world, right? After him, we're all conscious, I hope, right? Right? <laughs> you know, last time I checked, I think we're all conscious, you know. So, there are, so every time an Ishama splits, a spark comes off or whatever, so it has its own consciousness. You know what I'm saying? So that, that is, that, that, but it's all ultimately was in, uh, in a, in a uh, you know, in a, uh, a primary neshama, so to speak, you know. But, was that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a neshama. It's a real, uh, it's a real person. Yeah. You could be a nitzitz of some, any, of anybody, actually. In fact, we're basically all nitzitzes. We're all sparks from somebody else. I mean, of higher and higher. Because in the end, all clients throughout, everybody's connected. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's connected. You know. Um, <clears throat> question is, what's the breakdown? Anyway, so that's the neshama, which is destined to uh, inhabit a physical body. So that's one type of spiritual entity. Okay? And of course... Um, then there are the spiritual entities that are not destined to inhabit anybody. So what are they for? They're for what's called administration. They are the interface between God, the Rabbanu Shalom, and the physical universe. So there's a lot of hosts, which there are a lot of them, which the which the, the Ramchal is going to talk about. I mean, if you want, you can basically, he's going to divide the spiritual universe into specific entities which he's going to talk about, and which I'll, I'll explain, you know. Um, there's, uh, when you took a look at spiritual entities, you know, if you want to go from the bottom up, there are shadim, demons, they're called demons, and so on, you know. So that's one type of a spiritual, but a, a demon, as I will talk about, is a quasi, or semi, spiritual entity. He's part physical, he has physical attributes, and he has spiritual attributes. Okay. Um, and uh, even though many humans look like the demons, right? You know, I, mean, so I think a popular word is demonic. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they think Trump is a demon of some sort or something like that, you know? But anyway, um, uh, the real demon, okay, is uh, partly spiritual and partly physical, which we'll talk about. So demons are one being that you could look at as spiritual, right? What was that? 
No. No. Well, because they're spiritual also. They, uh, they can allow themselves to be detected. I mean, you see Chazal, you see many Gemaras. Uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Shlomo uh, Melech, uh, the classic, uh, he spoke to Ashmedai. He's the chief of the demons. You know, so it had a hole and then ultimately got thrown out. There's a whole, there's all Gadita about him and, uh, and so on, you know. <coughs> and um, and there, 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 the Gemara talks about, um, uh, I think the emperor, I forgot who, but the emperor made a decree and uh, some, t- some Tanoim, I think, I'm not sure, I remember who, you know. They went on and he made a deal with the demon, I forgot the name, you know, and um, uh, that... He told her, you go and inhabit the, the, the mind of the daughter of the emperor. So you make her crazy, you know, and I'll come and I'll cure her, you know. I'll tell you, get out. So he's making a deal with the demon uh, shade, you know. So, uh, so obviously that's what goes on. So demons are sort of like the lowest, okay. Above that, it's called the malachim. They're next, okay. And each one obviously has their characteristics, their properties, how they function, what their restrictions are. In other words, they have their own nature and they have the laws based on that nature, you see? So you have the demons, right? And then you have angels. A third uh, type of uh, spiritual entity is called a transcendental force, which is the, the roots of everything physical, which we'll talk about, no? And the next one above that are the spheres. So if you think about it, there's like four, and each one is subdivided like malachim. There are ten categories of malachim, and each category is subdivided, and so on. It's almost like a whole uh, world in itself. All the angels is like a world in itself, you know. But basically, there are four classes of spiritual, right? There's the low class, which is the, um, like I said, the demons, demonic. Then you have the malachim, the angels. And then you have the koichus nivdolim, which are the source and a counterpart to everything physical, which we'll talk about. And then you have the spheres. That basically, what the Ramchal is saying, that comprises the entire Ruchniyastiga world. Okay? Yeah. Now the Ramchal talks about demons. Okay? Now, demons... Shadim have six characteristics. Three of them, it's Gemara, three of them resemble humans, and three of them is completely out, do not resemble humans. So they're really, in many sense, it's a cross. You know, it's really a, it's a being that has certain spiritual properties, and it's a being that has specific physical properties in that sense, although we cannot detect it, okay? Uh, they are like us, they eat and drink. I don't know what their diet is. You know, I, have no, I don't know if they, it's food, I don't know what it is they eat, but they have to eat and drink, uh, which means, by the way, that they are nourished from something outside of them. Because that's what eat and drink is, you know. That means that you are deficient in something, and you've got to fulfill that, you've got to remove that deficiency, right, by uh, eating and drinking. We call it nutrition. You know, in any case, so that's one concept. Uh, another idea is that they procreate. They actually make little demons, you know. 
I'm sure, I hope the, uh, you're not thinking of your kids when you talk about little demons, right? <laughs> but anyway, so they, 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 they procreate, they reproduce, which is interesting. <coughs> and the third thing is that they die. They're not eternal. Malachim don't die, obviously. But obviously they're physical enough that, because what, what is death? Death is a separation between the essential nature, right, and an added on nature. We, people die, why? Because we're Nishoma and Guf. The Guf dies, which means it gets separated, decomposes, and ultimately will come back, whereas a demon dies. And uh, I, I, as far as I, uh, the, the death of a demon is permanent. With us, it's, it's uh, temporary. Because, as we will see, <coughs> what the Rav did is that a Nishoma must go into a Guf, which I said, right? But it must go into a goof eternally. It can never, once it enters a body, it can never be removed. Uh, death is because of the chet, the sin of Adam Rishon. So therefore that's a temporary situation where it can be removed for a certain amount of time. But by Tchir it re-enters a body, right? And remains there eternally, which is interesting. That's really what it is. After, after the whole world is is destroyed in that there's still a physical group? Yes, but but there's a big difference, you see, you know. The physical body what exactly is the gist of Judaism? Right? So what the Ranjan did is very interesting. He creates two different dimensions physical, spiritual. And then he takes the Nishama, which is purely spiritual, right? and he merges it together with a physical body and he puts it in the body okay now the shama is going crazy because a spiritual being really cannot inhabit a physical body but the Rabbanisham has a zero by a, a decree of God it cannot leave it cannot leave it's permanent it's only because of the sin of Odom Rishon where it was temporarily taken out of its uh, place and it's restored by Tchiyas Mesim. You see. Now what's the purpose of that? Fundamentally. Fundamentally the purpose is this. Why is there a physical universe altogether? Why doesn't the Bershom take the Neshama, if you recall, take the soul, right, and, and merge with it? Vekas. I mean, Oilam Haba, what is Oilam Haba? You know, Oilam Haba is nothing more than a place, I shouldn't say nothing more, but it's a place where you attached to God without getting into the whole concept of what the experience is and so on okay but it's fundamentally a place where the Roshan appears to you reveals himself that you are really an outgrowth or an emanation of him you know and so on okay here's the problem I'm gonna explain that yeah that's my next yeah. now so the question is well why couldn't the Roshan do that he creates the Nishama fine and okay fine and now the the Rebbeinu the Neshama emerges from the Rebbeinu uh, from God, right? And therefore, fine, because the Neshama is basically our essence, and everything would be great, and that would be eternal, right? Eternal bliss and so on. But the problem is, as I once gave a shir, it's called Namdik Sufa. The problem is, is that there is an experience which detracts the Neshama from experiencing God completely or in a perfect manner the problem is that the neshama 
if there was no such thing as a physical universe, the problem is that the Neshama experiences God, right? But it has done nothing to, to receive that experience. In other words, it's a gift, right? It has never earned the right, or more importantly, it has never caused that situation where it can experience God. When somebody gets something which it hasn't caused, then there's a tremendous feeling, okay, of inferiority or shame. What is sh I once gave a whole shia on Namdek Sufa. I don't want to repeat it. But uh, uh, the problem is that <clears throat> there's a concept called shame. What is shame? Anybody know what the emotion of shame is? When do we feel ashamed? Well, nakedness is a time we do, but what exactly is shame? Inadequacy. Who? Inadequacy. Inadequacy. Okay, let me take what you said, which is true, but you have to add a couple of ideas. <clears throat> a person experiences shame, okay, when they, when some aspect of deficiency or vulnerability is exposed, and they can't see it. That's what shame is. It's a very devastating emotion. So it's one of the most powerful emotions of all. Uh, shame, you know. Uh, for instance, uh, you have a kid and the parent starts screaming at the kid. And, and the parent says, ah, you dope, you know, I mean, whatever, you know. You dope, you can't do anything right, right? That kid will experience shame. What is shame? Because all of a sudden, the fact that it is deficient, the child is, and it's exposed not only to the parent, but to the child produces a tremendous amount of shame. That's what shame is. It's an experience where your vulnerability, your imperfections are revealed and you feel ashamed or embarrassed. The problem is therefore that when the neshama is always given reward or rather the experience of God and it didn't cause it, so the neshama which is godlike, without getting into that, experiences the deficiency that, hey, I didn't cause this, so therefore, who must, who am I? I'm an inferior being. You see, and that destroys the, the uh, experience. Uh, not totally, but partially, that the Neshama feels. Because it experiences its own inferiority by receiving something that it never caused. So therefore, the Bosham says, I, I once gave a whole share about that, but that's fundamentally in a nutshell what Namadik Sufa means, bread of shame. Uh, therefore, what the Bosham has to do uh, is say, okay, you and I will get together, which is the ultimate reward, but <clears throat> it's not going to be a gift, a matano. It's got to be a reward for something you did. And then you could say, well, the reason why I'm experiencing it is because I actually did something. Right? But doing something and causing something is divine, because only God causes, you see? So that removes the inferiority that the Nisham experiences, because the only reason or the only amount it receives is because it earned it, you see? So that removes Namadik Sufa. And therefore, when it experiences God's presence, it's without flaw. That's fundamentally what it is. Therefore, what the Bansham had to do, right? in some way, is to allow the Neshama to cause the experience in Ilam Habo in the future world. How did it do that? So what the Banisham said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you, and I'm going to put in front of you a barrier, you see? 
and that barrier does not allow you to experience me. Your job is to remove the barrier. That's the whole concept of the physical universe. You want to experience me? You got to work. You got to remove the physical barrier that separates you from me. Uh, and therefore, an entire physical universe was created fundamentally to serve as a barrier, a wall, right? That separates you and I, and therefore you must remove the wall, and the result is that you will experience me, but the only reason why you experience me is because you remove the wall, you remove the barrier. You see? That's the whole concept, basically, of the physical universe. And therefore, the neshama is placed in a body, in a goof, and that is the barrier, you see. And it must remain there because the Bansham, uh is geyser decrees that it cannot leave. Uh, and so on. So therefore, what does the Nishama do? It has to remove the barrier. But how? Because we know death is not the removal. Because the Nishama is going to be reinserted. So what? You'd say, remember, what? Zikach. Correct. So what, what the Nishama does through the uh, you, through whatever trigger, whatever device it uses, which of course is the mitzvahs and so on, what it does is it's mezakech. It purifies the body, it dematerializes the body, and the body becomes spiritual. You see, it, it doesn't become a spiritual being, but it becomes completely dematerialized, so the barrier is completely removed and all of a sudden, it's as if there's no barrier at all. And that's really what Judaism is. Does that mean that it's compatible now to, in order to conduct the spirituality as opposed to a barrier? I, I didn't get that. What? Meaning, it's still physical. What is? It all is the body physical. And, um, it's not physical. Not, not the physicality that we know. So it's only a physical relation to the Nishan? Uh, yes, yeah. So really, it's see, um, it, you know, it, it, it's it's not as spiritual as the neshama, but it's right up there in lights. You see, or else it would be a barrier. As long as the body is physical, then the neshama, because remember, the neshama is reinserted after death. It still has to go back to the body. So as long as the body is physical, you have the barrier. So what will happen is, is that the neshama because of all the mitzvahs, will mazakech, will purify the body, dematerialize the body. Where the Ramchal talks about in Das Tunis, where the body is like a very thin uh, glass over the neshama, with no impediment whatsoever with, ex with the neshama experiencing the outside of it. It's like, it's like imagine you have a glass, uh, a glass costume, and it's completely see-through. But it's not the neshama, it's glass, so to speak, you know? So, what was that? What's the purpose of the gift? In It's an interesting question. Apparently the idea of that is that the Barashim says, listen, in this world, there are two things doing the Avera. You, the neshama, and the gof. And when a mitzvah is done, there are two things doing the mitzvah. The person, and the, and the neshama, and the gof. So the Bonshim says, listen, it's not right for me just to take the neshama out of the guf, right? Which he could have done, not dematerialize the world. He could just take the whole, every, all, everybody's neshama out of the body, you know, to destroy the physical universe and reattach to God. 
right? Or re-experience God. But he didn't want to do that. In some sense, he wants to in some way reward the goof because it was part of the, of the, uh, the whole uh, task, you see. And that's why we still have a goof, although the main idea is that it's not a barrier what's in, in any sense whatsoever, but it does remain with the neshama for eternity. It means you, you, you will have that, but it's not a barrier. So therefore, uh, the purpose of the physical universe, very important, is to serve as a barrier to experiencing God, spiritual universe and therefore the person has to he has to retransform you know uh, the, the body into a, uh, a spiritual form right and then as a result of that he now experiences the Rebbe and it's not just the person's body the entire physical universe is retransformed into a spiritual you see and that's really the essential idea of the physical universe what's called the Tikkun of Namdik Sufa, to rectify the feeling of shame that an Ishama will experience because it has caused nothing. And that reveals to the Nishama its complete inferiority, which is, you know, it's like I say, that's what shame is. When you realize you're inferior, you've been exposed, so to speak, you know? Are you saying that, that, that when we enter Om Haba, it's going to have four layers? What are the four, four layers? layers that have been transformed? No, no. What will happen is now it won't have four layers. It'll go through four layers. You said that the, in terms of the <coughs> goof of the of the neshama, in terms of a person, there's like a layer of of a body. Yeah. That does not impede the vagus. Correct. So, and you said that the same thing with the universe itself. So, will there be sort of like four layers to the universe as well? No, no. Uh, Oilam Haba begins in the year 9000. This world is destroyed in the year 6000. So, so you got 3000 years. What? So you're saying the gulf of the universe is destroyed? Yes. So therefore. What's the gulf of the person? Wait, 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 wait. The Mashiach's time period ends by the year 6000. Right. Which to is. Come yes, he has to come before rule, reign, whatever. And then his period ends by the year 6000 which is the English year 2240 right. which is not very far away you know if you think about the was it 222 years I think you know that means by in 2022 years this world must end that's why what's happening in politics is incredible because we're, we're, we're right up against as they say in English we're pushing the envelope you know we're right up against the whole messianic era because we're very close to the whole destruction of the universe and so on, you know? Uh, so therefore, from six to seven, right, then the universe is transformed, right, into what's called Yitzira, which is Yitzira. Yitzira is a, uh, is, a dim a dim uh, is a spiritual dimension, which we'll talk about, right? So the whole world moves up to the status of being in a spiritual dimension called Olim Yitzira, right? Then, from seven to eight, it moves from Yitzira, the world changes, retransforms into a higher spiritual dimension, and that is Bria. There's no more physical world. No, that's gone. But the whole, the whole universe, so to speak, and you know, all of it, and plus the you know, plus the goof, the neshama is the neshama moves into, like I say, first thousand years, it goes into Yitzira, which is the world of angels, 
and then it goes into the world and then from 7 to 8 goes into the Bria and then from 8 to 9 then from 8 to 9 the whole creation so to speak it dematerializes further whatever that means into Atsilas and then 9,000 the whole universe becomes what's called Olam Habo, which is Odom Kadmain, that's the highest of all the spiritual worlds. So the and that's does it, not have a Well, the universe is physical. And all that physicality is refined, is, uh, you know, purified. But so it's... it's, it's no, the Neshama is not refined. It is. It is from the highest. It's the barriers are refined again and again and again. You see? Which, which time period is the Yom Adinagadol? Before we start, 6,000. It means Yom Adin, the great judgment day, as you right, happens after the, uh, when the, uh, the world is destroyed. <coughs> and now everybody's situation has to now be determined for eternity. That's really what it is. You know? Uh, and your 6,000 is before shift? Who? No. After. after. No. After. Years, uh, after. No, no, no. In the year 2240. Right? That's when the world ends, right. and that's when the Great Judgment Day is. And that determines where you're going to be for eternity, you see? And the reason why it has to do that is, you know, as there are three judgment times. You know, one is when you die, one is Rosh Hashanah, the other is when you die, and the other is the, 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 the last great day. Because, uh, uh, like I said, you know, many people have done many good things which will influence many people. So all that has to be taken into consideration, you see? So obviously you can't judge a guy now because what happens if the guy did mitzvahs and he influenced other people to do good? So you got to wait until the end of all generations and then add up all the good stuff he did. You see, <clears throat> that's why I always maintain if you want to be oisik in a mitzvah, which mitzvah? Uh, do a mitzvah that's connected with zikoy rabbin to merit, to, that the multitude should, uh, you know, uh, do mitzvahs. Because then you cash in on everybody's mitzvah from them and their children and their children's children until the end of time. That's always the greatest thing to do. You see? So, so therefore, uh, uh, we, we now understand that um, what, what the whole concept of the physical universe really is. You know, it's, it's just there is a barrier and you need to undo the barrier. And then you've caused it and as a result, Namadik Sufa is removed and you are now in that situation. And obviously it depends how much of the barrier you remove. I mean, you know, you know, it depends on your mitzvahs and so on, you know. That's all judged and so on. But that's the basic game plan of the whole Bria. And Ramchal is talking about, you know, what's the situation, you know. So we talked about Shadim, right? And the next series of spiritual entities is angels, Malachim. Then the next one is called Transcendental forces, which you know, then after that is called the spheres. So that's the t that seems to be the totality of the spiritual universe. What is the purpose of shame? Well, that's well, that's the next thing, you know. That's around the, you is know. Is there a physical world after the 60, 6,000 years? No. Physical universe. Not not, it's, it's all destroyed. Called Chat from the Gemara means the entire physical universe is destroyed. Doesn't mean that it's destroyed and there's nothing left. Means the whole thing changes. It transforms into a universe that is no barrier, basically. That's the seven thousandth year. You see. That outlook 
that the, the image of the lion will lay down with the lamb and the viper. That's and messianic. No company. No, that's messianic. I just told you it's messianic. Before six thousand. Before six. Yeah. Six thousand is the end, but the Mashiach, yeah, the Mashiach comes before, right? The last period of time before the end is called the Yemaisa Mashiach, messianic era, and that's that prophecy is at that point because there's no Zoyama, because the Malachamovus has been destroyed or changed. No. Not Mashiach ben Dovid, Ben Yosef, yes. Mashiach ben Dovid, they, they won't die so anymore. Because no death, because the Malachamomus is gone. Without him, it's not happening. When you get into the 9,000th year and judgment, is there a sense of a cloud community? Where we have, or is this an individual placement? A soul, existential placement of judgment? You have a sense of a community in this? Yeah, no, there, yeah, of course there'll be a community. Yeah. You know. No, because uh, it's, it's, in fact, it's more of a community you can imagine. Because really, all the neshamas are tied to every other neshama. You just look like this. Uh, no, goyim will be part of Jews. That's why the Novi says, and ten goyim will grant them to a cloak of a Jew and say, we heard God is with you. You know, what's this ten? Because that, cause they have a nefesh. And their nefesh, each goy, which is interesting, is connected to a Jew. Because a Jew has five parts to the neshama. A goy only has a nefesh, which is spiritual, right? But, but uh, so therefore, he's part of some nefesh of, the Jew, of a Jew somewhere. So every goy really, ten goyim will belong to one Jew. Because their nefesh is connected to that Jew, you see? But the only way they can receive the reward is through the Jew, because he's the only one that has the full complement of neshamas that goes straight up. So they all have to reconnect, you see? Uh, to get the fix, as they say, you know. Uh, and they'll realize that. I mean, every Jew will be a rock star. I hate to put it that way. Right? But every Jew is going to be a rock star. Where, you, you know, what do you call those, uh, what do you call the people who hang on to rock stars? Groupies. Groupies, yeah. Yeah. This world is going to be filled with groupies. You know? And the rock stars are going to be the Jews. Yeah, that's, that's what the Navi says, you know. I think it's Zechariah. You know, we have heard that God is with you. You see, so therefore the desire is no longer for pot, you know, for it's for God, because that. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's all of a sudden. You know, Dvekus, God, the Shechina is the high. You see, <coughs> and everybody wants to get high, right? You know, after all. <laughs> so uh, this is it, you know, and uh, so uh, what? What the the the, the covered the honor that the Jews will receive in the Messianic era is we cannot even comprehend. The honor. <laughs> well, I thought, you know, that the cycle, 7,000 year cycle will repeat again. What was that? Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says that, that there's 7,000 cycle will repeat again. Yeah, he disagrees. I know. According to him, we're in the third. We're in the third. I think it's we're into the third cycle of seven of uh, sixty-seven thousand years. I mean, he's got another forty thousand years to go. No, no. The Ari says there's only one cycle, which is six thousand years, and that's it. You know, that's the Ari, and we go after the Ari. You know, although the Rabbeinu B'chai does say, I think according to him, we're in the third cycle. What well, what he's saying is that because it says that God created seven worlds and he destroyed them. You know, and so on, you know. So he says, therefore, that there are seven 6,000-year cycles. 
same people are the same players in every I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. No. So it's another. What? What happens to all those people? Well, they're probably. Uh, yeah, it'll be a reunion. I mean, whatever happens. Yeah. My question is, they get put away and then there's one big old hub, or they have their own. I, I, I don't know. It's not clear. But the Ari says no. There's only. It's only one cycle, and that's it. And we are now 5,778, and we are only two, what is it, 222 years to the end, and so on, yeah, you know? Yeah, but comes before. Way, Mashiach can be way before. So we may be 10, 15 years away from Mashiach. Correct. We are 10, 15 tomorrow. years away. Because most of Mashiach depends on what sheep does. It could be 40, 70, it could be 120 years. Well, well I, I bring down a Zoya, which says that Tchiasa Mason will begin uh, in 210 years before the end, which means um, uh, 2030. According to that Zoya. 12 years away. Correct. Well, that's why you take a look at what's happening in the world. Yeah, you see, it's. it's Have you listened to the 21st century stuff? If you, it's all about, uh, you know, what's happening, Trump, everybody. That's why, that's why it's just. That's why I came to hear about Trump. <laughs> Well, all the way from 5,000. Wow, I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> I'm so, uh, you know. So where do I listen to all these? Uh, On the internet. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm in YouTube. YouTube, Torah thinking. Torah thinking. Torah thinking. Torah thinking. Thinking.com, YouTube, and Torah anytime.org. And you can sign up. Was that dot org? Oh yeah. Torah anytime also? Yeah. I'm on Torah anytime, yeah. Uh, listen to the whole 21st century. It's about, there was about uh, 30 of them, 37. So what do we, what, what is, what Shita is the most popular about how many years in Yemasa Mashiach will be? Well, the Zoya says 210, which means in, in uh, what is it, 17, 13 years. Yeah. That's why we are experiencing such incredible rapidity of events. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And I the whole status of Israel is changing. So is America, Israel, Yishmo, remember I told you? Uh, Edom is doing tshuva, the Toiv Shebeisa, that's, that's America. And Trump, I told you, is a... Uh, no, no, no. And then you have Yishmo well, doing tshuva. Yes, yeah, that's part of it. The, uh, the evil of Edom is dying, and uh, it's all on, the, it's all on the, the shum and so on, you know. But in any case, so this is basically what has to happen, you know. And, um, um, yeah. So, th so that's the whole concept of a physical universe. It's really what it's about. So the purpose of a Jew, really, is to dematerialize or purify the physical universe. So he can remove the barrier and experience the Rebbe That's really the gist of the whole uh, Judaism and so on. And therefore that explains why mitzvahs are physical. You know? Goyim, for instance, Christians, they believe what they have to do is get away from the world. That's why they build monasteries. You know what I'm saying? They get away so they can... All they have to say is that they believe, and that's it. Well, well yeah, no, no, but... I, what I'm saying is that um, they, they, their concept is to remove, remove yourself from the physical world. The world is an evil world. Yeah. But the Jewish concept is you need to interact with the world. That's why all the 613 mitzvahs ultimately force you to interact. Why? Because you need to change the physical world. The way to do that is to do the mitzvah with the physical world, and therefore, right, and therefore you rechannel 
the physical world into a spiritual. That's why all the mitzvahs are distinctly physical. Not at all, you know, because you need to deal with the material, you know, with the, which is the physical stuff, and you need to do a mitzvah with that material, and therefore that material now becomes uh, purified. That's why mitzvahs are distinctly, as I said, physical. Because the job is to remove the physicality, which is the barrier. So therefore, when you do a mitzvah, you are dedicating that physical substance, right? You are investing in it some spirituality by doing it as a commandment of God. And therefore, later on, it will become refined and you'll have, um, it will be purified. That's why Judaism is a very physical religion, you know, even though it's very spiritual. Because the job is to, like I say, we need to change the physical world. And therefore, ultimately, what happens? Where is the Oilam Habo? Here. This is Oilam Habo. You know? Oilam Habo is really here, but it's a different dimension. And that's what it is. You have to retransform this world again and again and again, and this place becomes Oilam Habo. You see? Uh, which people don't realize. The problem is not out there, it's here, but it has to be retransformed, the physical universe. You see? So uh, this ties up all the necessities. You know why they're this. I, I mean, not speak about, you know, Malachim yet, but I'll do that in the next year. But, you know, what, what, what are the, all these uh, spiritual things are all functionaries. They're the ones that enable this to happen. But the game plan is the physical universe, these are the, Ramchal is talking about what are the components of the physical universe that are necessary for this game plan to happen. That's really what it's about so far. So we're at the point where we understand their components, okay, and uh, what, the, what, the, what the, plan, uh, the plan is and so on. And uh, like I said, each one serves a specific purpose. Uh, and uh, well, those talk next time certainly about the uh, Shadim, you know, what their purpose is and why they even exist. You know, and we're just going to go through it because it's, it's fascinating to uh, really understand what Judaism is about, you know, and so on. I mean, think about it, which I said last week. The acceleration of what's happening today is beyond belief. There are things happening constantly today which never happened before. Like I told you, you know, Saudi Arabia doing tshuva, it's happening, you know. America, in many ways, are being converted into a, a place that loves Israel. The capital next month, Jerusalem becomes a capital, right? And the embassy is moved. These things are incredible, so you know? Are pro-Israel? Pro-Israel? Yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> We're all pro-Israel. Well, we all love Eretz Israel. And, and therefore, the speed of which things are happening is, is really tremendous, you know. Uh, and, and that's what it is. Very short amount of time. I think I told you the Gematria, Pokoi Pukaditi. Remember that? When the Bansham said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Pokoi Pukaditi, I have surely remembered, right? That's what God said to Moshe Rabbeinu by the burning bush to take out the Jews, correct? Right? Now, pokrit pokadati, right, means I have surely remembered, right, is a statement that refers to the Mashiach ben Yosef. The pikid, in, in Yalav Yovo you say, v'yipokid v'yizokher, which is two expressions of remembrance, okay? 
the first one, V'yipokeid, means the release of the Mashiach ben Yosef from prison, from the Klippa. That's what it is. And that's why uh, Yosef said, Poko Yifkoid, remember me? He said that, you know. And when Moshe Rabbeinu came to Israel, he said, Pokoid, Yifkoid. And Serach uh, Basosha said, they asked her, how do we know he's a real guy? So he said, because he will use the expression called Pekida, Pokoid, Yifkoid. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu used. But the original of the, you know, the, the Bonshim said to him, Pokoid, Pokadati. I have surely remembered. And that means you, Moshe Rabbeinu, who are the Mashiach ben Yosef. That's really who he was. You need to now be free, right, from the desert 80 years. In the Midbar, you go and take the Jews out. Correct? The gematria of Pokoit Pokadati, right, is 778. Yes? What's, what does that remind you of? 5,778, right? This year. But the question is, well, which thousand is it? Because every thousand, every, uh, what do you call it, uh, thousand years have a, has a 778, correct? Oh, so the word Pokoid, Pokoid Pokadati, the word Pokoid is missing a Vov. It's spelled without a Vov, okay? So if it had a Vov, it would be part of the Gematria. But since it doesn't have a Vov, you know, it's not written, it's pronounced, it doesn't, it's not part of the Gematria. But since it is pronounced, it's got to be part of the word, so what does six mean? We're missing the vav. The sixth millennium. So in the sixth millennium of 778, bingo. Interesting, isn't it? Wouldn't it be interesting if this year really began the whole thing and all the time it was, it was already, it was in the word itself, which is the gula, pokadati. That, that refers to the redemption, isn't it? It's exactly what God is saying. I have remembered, right? And redemption is, I'm sure you will, you know? But, uh, so that would be interesting, you know? It's a beautiful gematria. I just, yeah. What's Moshe Rabbeinu, Mashiach ben Yosef, you know? That's conjecture, you know? Um, has to be from Yehuda, Yes, he would be, he, Ben Yosef can be from Levi. But uh, the other one can be from Yehuda. I, 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 there's a theory that it could have been Khor. He's the only one killed. <laughs> the only one killed in the, uh, by the Chet Ego was Khor. And he was taken from the son of Yehuda. Yeah, maybe he would have been. But since it was Chet Ego, there was no need for Ben David. Uh, because even Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't be Mashiach Ben Yosef. That's why the Bansham said to him, Lech Reid, go down. Not only go, but go down from your Mashiachos. You cannot be the Mashiach. Because Chayis will just yeah. sin, and they, they, they can't ben deserve would have died. Who? Moshe Ben would have died. No. He just can't be the Mashiach. If, if, if he was Mashiach Ben Yosef, doesn't the Mashiach Ben Yosef have to die? Well, that's an argument. That's a big machloikas. But the Goyen, many people say he won't die. What the Bansham did is he brought him back in many Gilgulim, and in each one he suffers, so if he added them all up, he would, would kill a person. Uh, but he will survive. And the Vilna Goyen gives a remez. When, Yosef, when Yaakov comes to Egypt, when they told him that Yosef was alive, so he said, Oid Yosef ben Yichai. He's still alive. So that's the remnant that Mashiach ben Yosef will not die. In fact, the Yari says that when we say in the Shemon Esrei, you know, Matzmiya Ken Yeshua, you know, Es Semach David, who's Semach David? Mashiach ben Yosef. That we pray for the, that the Mashiach ben Yosef should not die. The Yari says, we actually respond, even though we don't know. 
but it refers to Mashiach ben Yosef that he should not die because if he dies you don't want to even think what that means it's not just the death of a Mashiach it's much worse because then you have where Christ will itself will come to near destruction because it's a whole yeah 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 but uh, in any case um, uh, so we're, we're, we're you know I say we're right up against that you know of, of this happening just look at all the events you know and so on of course what I've been talking about, you know, uh, and and so on. I'm so we're right up against that. You selling your real estate? <laughs> because I always ask, we have these beautiful homes here. Because of this year? No, no. So then I I gotta get a commission. Right. We, got, we have all these beautiful <laughs> right? homes, right? Yeah. We come to Mashiach. When Mashiach comes, you have to go there and say, "Who's gonna buy our homes?" Those homes that had minyanim in their basement will go with us. <laughs> Yeah. Who's going to buy a home? Yeah, because all the Bhatti Midrash is Bhatti Ganesha. Yeah. It's an idea. You know? Uh, any questions? Is eternal, yeah. The definite, or the experience of Oilam Habo, this, I, I sum it up. You know, infinite bliss eternally. That's my sum up of Oilam Habo. If you could sell that, Yeah. The has to be in 12 years. There's, there's a Zoya that says, uh, it's a Raya Mahemna, but it's part of Zoya that says that Tchiyas Mason will start 210 years before the end, which is uh, 13, uh, 13 years from now. And then there's another one who says that no, it's going to start 214 years before the end. So that's even closer. So are there any thoughts on how people are going to handle that people are returning? I once told you, I once explained to you what I, what I feel must happen. It's a shocking thing. Shocking? Yes, he doesn't, yeah. I once told you that people have no concept. You know, I want to tell you something. The difference between before Mashiach and after Mashiach is the difference between a child before it's born and after it's born. Shock. I mean, it's like, you know, before it's born, you know, it's got a great hotel, you know, it gets all the food it wants. It's incredible, right? It's like the Hilton, right? And all of a sudden it's thrust into a world. What is this, you know? Before Mashiach ben, come, ben Yosef comes, we have what we're having now. And that's, we, we are now, I, I feel, uh, right before the Aschalte de Gula, which is Mashiach ben, ben Yosef, we are at the end of Ikrasidim Shicha which is the footsteps of the Messiah, okay? And that's the first uh, phase, termination phase. We are entering now the Aschalta de Geula, the beginning of redemption, you know? And um, uh, the problem is, which I had spoken about in one of the Shurim, you know, is that <coughs> people do not understand who or what the Mashiach Ben Yosef is. But he's a person that if you see him, he will kill you because of his Kedusha. You see, Moshe Rabbeinu, when he came down, he had to wear a mask. You couldn't look at him. Why? What did he have? The Kedusha of Moshe was so great, it would kill you. You see, the Mashiach ben Yosef is greater than Moshe Rabbeinu, which people do not understand. <clears throat> it's like I told you once, there's a Medrash, where the Medrash says there are three expressions of growth. It's in Yishayohu. Behold, my servant will grow wise, he will grow, exceed, 
and so on. Three, three expressions of growth. So the Medrash says, why is there three expressions? And Yaska Avdi, my servant, is Mashiach Ben Yosef. Because Malcolm Mashiach, that's what the Targum says. Some people say it means Israel, Israel. So the first expression of growth, which is Yoram, that he will be greater than Avram Avinu. You have any idea what that means? Be greater than Avram Avinu. Then the second expression, Venisa, and he will uh, become, you know, uh, exceedingly great. So the Medrash says that means he will be greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. Can you imagine a man walking around, and uh, this is a regular guy, and he comes in, right? He lives, he's going to be amongst, right? He's greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. So then the Medrash says, uh, what about the last expression? I mean, you already beat out Moshe, what's left, right? So the Medrash says that he will be greater than the Malachim. You have any idea what that is? Imagine an angel comes down, and there's a guy walking around that's greater than the Malachim. A guy like that, once he comes, he's going to kill the whole human race. You see. So then what saves us? That's the question. If the Rabbanishim brought the Mashiach, right, he would kill everybody. So what are we all begging him to come for? That's Mashiach ben Yosef. Is ben David even greater? No, he's equal. Well, what well, you need is one guy to kill you. You don't need to, right? So the answer is, which is very interesting, because the Mashiach ben Yosef is trapped. It's part of what's called the suffering of the Messiah, Sheikh ben Yosef, you know. And Mashiach ben Yosef is in what's called the Klippa. For whatever reason, while getting into all that, which I once spoke about, and so on, you know. So what's going to happen is, Klai Israel must rise in their spirituality before he comes. Uh, you see, because if they don't, when he comes, kill them all. So therefore, what's going to happen is going to be a simultaneous growth. It's a growth of the Mashiach, which means he, he begins to leave uh, what's called his figurative prison. Right? So as he begins to grow, Claius will grow with him at the same time. You see? And as a result of that, he and they will grow, so they will be able to tolerate him as he begins to grow. And that is the real messianic process you know what's happening now with trump and all that that's peanuts compared to what has to happen the rabbanisham says listen what it says and i will gather it's in was in the nanazino uh, and i will gather the jews from all over the earth and i will bring them to eretz israel you see what does that mean that means that the rabbanisham is going to bring everybody back including all the 11 million jews that are fry that are gone Right? He's going to bring them all back, right? That what do you mean bringing them back? Wait. Well, it is happening yeah, physically. Yeah, but what it really is, is spiritually. He's not going to allow the Mashiach to come <coughs> to the Jews that are, are in a terrible, degraded state. You don't realize the Jews are in a terrible, degraded state in terms of their ruchness. So it's incredible. In, in, in 10 years, Christ was supposed to grow to become greater than the Dardaya? <coughs> Yes. How is that going to happen? Only God knows. This generation. Correct. But, but, but that, that is, but I want to tell you, but that's the gula. Think about it. That's the redemption. You can ask the same I, questions. By the way, <clears throat> well, I'm not getting into that, but it did happen once. It did happen once. You know when? Mitzrayim. Right. 49 days. They went from uh, being slaves in Egypt, which is the, they went, they went from Memtesh Sharitumah, yes, 
to nun, uh, almost a nun shai bina kedusha in 49 days can you tell me how that happened but so it does have a precedent you see uh, so if God can do it in 49 days he can do it it's not a problem you know the question is how is it going to happen politically and, and right now it's, uh, the, the ones who are uh, the era of Rav and all that kind of stuff you know how is that going to happen unknown but it's going to be the greatest miracle of all it's a, in fact the miracle of the Mashiach is much greater than Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim much greater than the exodus of Egypt you see so therefore God is just like he did then he had to why because you can't you cannot give them a Torah which was the messianic light that's what it was on Shuas you can't give it to Jews that are coming out of the Memtesha it's a death sentence it's obvious in fact they did die right when God appeared gave them the first two mitzvahs right anyway they died so it didn't even work for that but at least you know but they had to so what choice does God have I mean, he has a choice. But, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he has to replicate what happened in Egypt. People do not realize that. They think a guy's going to come riding on his donkey, whatever, right? And he's here, and now all of a sudden, business is going to be great. You know what I'm saying? And everything is going to be really dandy, as they say, right? Really, is going to take off. The market's going to go crazy, right? And so, you know, and the Mashiach, you know, he'll hold himself up in somewhere, uh, some yeshiva. Trump Tower. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what's going to happen. That, that's not what a redemption is. A redemption of Mashiach is the universe changes. <laughs> well, all of a sudden, the conscious, there's an unbelievable rise in consciousness of God. You see, you see and, and like I say, so that has to happen. It already happened in Mitzrayim. It has to happen again. Because we're talking about the Geula. We're not talking about a mild transition. We're talking about the end of time. We, you don't realize what that is. It's, a, it's the end of, of the whole history of mankind by this, one, by this one person. So therefore, the Jews will be transformed. Remember, it says in... in um, in, uh, in uh, Kedusha, Hine Gualti Eschem Achris Kareshis, doesn't it? Behold, I will redeem you, right? Achris, the last redemption will be like the first. You realize that's a, a tremendous secret. What God is saying, it's it, that the real redemption, the first one was Egypt. And exactly what happened in Egypt is going to be happening in the end. Well, if they went from them to Tuma in Egypt, yes. We're, in, we're basically the Jews today on the Memtesh Shaaretumah, right? You know, and what the Bosham did is he, in 49 days, he lifted them, not just from Memtesh Shaaretumah, he took them out of the Tumah into the Kedusha. Now, we don't even know how they did it. We have no idea how the Bosham did that. You know, we're counting the Sphira, you know, today was what? It was, you know, whatever, right? You know, okay, we're counting the Sphira. They didn't just count Sphira. We don't even know what the Avoida was. We have no concept what the history of the Jews leaving Egypt. You don't realize that, you know? There was something going on that is beyond uh, physical. Look, in the seventh day, forget about the 50th day of Shavuos, right? In the seventh day, which was Kriyas Yamsuf, right? They, that a maidservant saw more than Yecheskel. I mean, what is that about? You have any idea what that, I mean, Yecheskel was like, the Kabbalah was all based on the Merkava, right? She saw more. 
She could put him to shame. And this was a maidservant. Forget about the, 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 all the Jews and so on. So we have no inkling of what transpired in those 49 days. But I'll tell you one thing, it must have been beyond belief to go from the 49th level of Tumor, defilement, out of defilement, into Kedusha, right? And in 49 days you're standing at Sinai where God is going to reveal the Messianic light because that was the first tablets. The first look is the old Mashiach, right? You can't do that. And so therefore, if it says that, behold, the second redemption is going to be just like the first redemption, that means that the Bansham is going to repeat the performance. He's going to get the Jews to be able to makabal the Torah of the Mashiach, which is the Orishim. How it will happen <coughs> is unknown, because it's it obviously miraculous and so on. What you are looking now, and people do not realize that, because they think, like I said, Mashiach said, come, hey, how you doing? You know, where you been all these days? You know what I'm saying? You know, and that's all, it's a regular guy. You know, he's going to get into a yeshiva and give a shir and Rambam. You know? <laughs> right? That's what they think. <clears throat> but this is so far from, what, is, from what, what really happened. Just look at Egypt. It was so far and so on. Therefore, the Moshe has to bring back the Jews. He has to raise the level in, in consciousness of Ruchnius. And when you look around now, you say, it's incredible. I mean, you, you, know, you take a look at what's going on out there. It's smartphones, internet. 11 million Jews are gone. It's unknown. Your but it will happen. has more technology and when they put the person on the moon. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess yeah. as a side note to that, I wanted to ask you about this a long time ago. There's a Haftorah that states, if I recall correctly, that even on the islands where they never heard of me, they'll know that I am Hashem and yeah. make Kahanim from among them. <coughs> now you know why everything is... Is that from non-Jews who make Kahanim? Now you know why there's such a thing as wireless. Why? No, 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 you don't realize that. Why is there, why is there an internet? Right? Why is there an No. No. No, you, you have to understand what the Bransham is, is, what he's doing is beyond the comprehension of people. The reason why there's an internet, one, is, is the concept called global connectivity. No, 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 that's what, that global connectivity will be used for that, but it's to connect the globe, that's number one. Number two, the concept of wireless is so a guy sitting in the middle of a desert, right, and he doesn't, he's not plugged in anywhere, he also will be able to use the internet. The Bershom is making sure that wherever you are, whoever you are, you will have access, right, to the globe when the Mashiach comes. And that's why guys in the islands, right? How are they going to know? Because everything is wireless. That's why you have wireless technology. It's right to make Kahanim when you have Yisrael and Levim, all these generations, that these people will make Kahanim from London. Does he mean mm -hmm. literally the status of a Kohen or that he'll make them... Uh, it's not the Goyim the, on the islands will become Kohanim. And he'll make Kahanim from among them. Is it literally <coughs> that... Maybe they well, I, I mean, it, it, it's referring to Jews or Goyim. Right, I don't know exactly. You know? Even on the islands where they've never heard of me, yeah. they'll know I am the Lord and I'll make Kahanim from a what, 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 what is a Kohen? You know, I mean, not, not a Kohen today, but a Kohen in the time of the base of Amigdash, right? His whole day was dedicated to God, right? So therefore, when the consciousness of the Bershom enters the Bria, 
Everybody, well, what, what are you going to do all day? You're not, you're not interested in money. Money is per se, right? Because everything will be free. You will therefore serve God all day. They won't make carbonos though, right? There'll be, there'll be a carbon, there'll be a shlamim. But there's no chatos. There's no chatos, there's no ashram, probably no. I don't know, oil, I think oil either. Because those three carbonos are brought because of chet, sin. But after Mashiach comes, there's no chet, right? And so on. So there's, there's only a shlamim. You know what I'm saying? And so on, you know. But the, um, the thing is that we cannot fathom what's going to be after this man arrives. We don't know who he is, you know. Uh, one, and one more chazal which I, I have quoted, you know. It says that all the total Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, right? What's the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu? You go into a farm store, 100,000 volumes there, right? You know, the Oitzah Chochmah was up to 78,000, something like that, right? That's Torah, right? So the, the Medrash says that the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu is Hevel. Oh, I should say the Torah of Mashiach, the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu is nothing compared to the Torah of the Mashiach. What does that mean? We can't comprehend the Torah of the Mashiach. You see what I'm saying? And then the Medrash says that the Torah of Mashiach is Hevel compared to the Torah of Oilam Habo. We have no idea what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? We're not looking at here some new figure coming in and saying hi, you know, uh, there is a trend, it's, it's a, what's called a paradigm shift. The existence of the world will be a paradigm shift. It's something completely different. The only thing you can, maybe, maybe a good way of saying that, imagine if you took a guy in New Guinea in 1953, they never saw a white man, you know? I mean, you know, these guys are walking around naked, I mean, whatever, whatever you know, you know. then you take him, put him into the future, right? And then put him on, let's say, Fifth Avenue. Let him walk down Fifth Avenue. He had a heart attack. Because he, he can't assimilate what he just saw. Cars, cell phones. I mean, it's beyond belief. <laughs> Take a guy who lives in a hut. He's probably walking around half naked or whatever, right? And this guy can't count past two. You know what I'm saying? I think you know, some tribes only have a number up to four. Something like that, right? And you put him, uh, you know, he would have a heart attack. Same idea. That is the comparison of what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. We cannot believe. What? Is Mashiach born? I feel he is. So what does Mashiach ben David do? If Mashiach ben Yosef doesn't go? Well, I'll tell you one thing. When Mashiach ben Yosef, when Mashiach ben Yosef's act is a hard act to follow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But no, no. When Mashiach ben David is the... It's not... Then everything becomes miraculous. See, in Mashiach ben Yosef, it's still Teva. But Mashiach ben Yosef, it's, everything is miracles. Then the whole thing, the, the, the Teva changes, you know. So that, that's really a whole, there's no death, there's no doctors, you're out of business, right? You know, that's it, there's no decomposition, you know, there, there's, no, there's no thing as want or deficiency, there's no hunger, there's nothing. All is life is incredible, and we, you know. You know, it's just incredible. Everything you need, but the main thing is that all Jews will be prophets. And I don't mean prophet, I mean prophets. Uh, yeah, we don't know what that is. You know, we don't know what it is to, to prophecy. And the goyim will serve us. Right? Well, well ten goyim, you'll have ten goyim running after you. Know. Reach perfection. What's, what do you do with this prophecy? New, so for eternity. No, it's all about, it's all about kimola or it's deo. It's a, you know, the world will be filled with the knowledge of God. You know, so we don't know what that. We don't know, you understand, we don't know what that is. You know, what, what's going to be free eternity? We're going to do free eternity, right? Think about that.
you, you know. We get older. <laughs> you know, obviously there's got to be something to occupy your time for eternity. You know. I, I always get a kick out of it. There was once a statement I read, you know. Millions, millions of people dream, you know, of, uh, of eternal life. You know, and they don't know what to do on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Dreaming about eternal life. I went crazy. What do I do? So thank God, God gave them baseball and football and all that. You know, or they really go with sugar. You know, and and then you know, and they, you know, everybody wants eternal life. You know, there's obviously something going on there. You know, you know, it's got to be unbelievable. Anyway, the world's not going to change physically. The what? Rambam says that the world is not going to change if the Mashiach comes. That no, that's Ben Yosef. But Ben David, the world changes. If there's no death, isn't that a change? Imagine all clinics, hospitals, doctors. There's no such thing as a refuel. But the lawyers, they'll still be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you know, lawyers. Oh, what a species. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not all lawyers, but, you know. Um, but anyway, this is what's, um, it's up ahead. So uh, we're, we're right at the, uh, what they say, we're right at the uh, cusp of all this. You know, people have no concept of what's about to happen. It's already happening, except it's happening slowly, you know. But the things happening today that never happened before, never. What, what, what's the transformation from uh, Aschalta de Gula is like Moshe Rabbeinu by the Sneh. That was the Aschalta Gula. When the Mashiach Ben Yosef knows who he is, and the only way he can know that is when, if the Bersham gives him a Nevoah, that's the beginning of redemption. for the Mashiach is all up to that. You know? And we are, we are heavy into Ikris for the Mashiach. We are probably at the end of it. I maintain that uh, and I, I say who Trump is, that he's really a, uh, he's a Mashiach ben Edom. He's an Edomite Mashiach to change Esau, because Esau has to change before the redemption. He, he, the, 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 the thing of uh, Trump is to matar Edom, to purify Edom, because Esau has to do tshuva before the end, and he has to assist Yaakov. That's but the Nevoah. Yeah, but th th that, that refers to the evil of because Ed Edom has two parts. They have the Tov Shebeisav and the evil of Esav. The same thing with Yishmael. There's an evil part of Yishmael and a good part of Yishmael. And that's what's changing now and so on, you know. But, uh, but anyway, so all this happened to happen and it's happening now. Yishmael does Shuvah too? He is. That's why, what's his name, Mohammed bin Salman said, yeah. you know, they also deserve a land. Yeah, yeah. You believe this guy said something like that? It's unheard of. Yeah. It's like it's it's a miracle. That's a ness. That is a miracle that he said that. Yeah. You know. Okay, it's got conditions, and you know the, you know. But but just to say that is unheard of. You know, every every people deserve their own country. Wow. You know. Okay. <laughs>